Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from scottsbasslessons.com and I'm back with you with another episode of the SBL podcast and today we've got Simon Little with us. Simon is a bass player from here in the UK and he's bass player for one of my favourite ever bands, The Divine Comedy. Um, I'm not sure who out there has heard The Divine Comedy but over here in the UK they were huge uh, multiple top 10 hits, if not top five, and multiple number ones. Um, and the, the songwriter for The Divine Comedy is just absolutely fantastic, lyricist as well. I uh, I absolutely recommend checking them out. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about, well, Simon's journey to hooking up with the band and how he got into it. It's really interesting, and it's a great example of why you should never knock a gig back, because even if it's a crappy gig, you might get a really great gig from it. And then we're going to talk about their this, the, the recording process that they use and the writing process that the... Uh, the, the leader of the divine comedy uses and, and what Simon gets and how he can, how he can sometimes change what he's, what he's being given. And then sometimes how he has to stick very, very closely to it. So it's, it's really, really interesting. And uh, I think you're going to really dig this interview. Now, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, I'll send you all of my bass love if you subscribe and leave a review, as that really helps us get the word out about these interviews, guys. And I really think there's so much to be learned from listening to great bass players, such as the guests that we have on the show. And if you're listening to this anywhere else other than scottsbasslessons.com, make sure you shoot over to the site and check out the show notes for this episode, as I've put some fantastic videos up. Now, if you're completely new to Scott's Bass Lessons, go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. I put some really cool video resources that you can download on there and check out, like a bass buyer's guide. We've got um, a video where I talk about how to get gigs, great gigs, wherever you are in the world. So if you're moving to a new city or you're trying to break into the scene where you are, i give you some great tips for that. We've got a Understanding the Modes mini course. We've got a backing track library. There's loads of stuff in there. It's totally free for you to download. Just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. And also, remember, if you're an Academy member over at scottsbasslessons.com, you can watch the entire video version of this interview as well, okay? We film the entire thing as we do with all our podcasts. We film all of them. And if you're not already an Academy member, just go and check it out over at scottsbasslessons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world. The step-by-step courses, live seminars every week, the largest online bass educational community in the world. And those guys are so, so supportive and tons more. The whole nine yards. And we have a completely free 14-day trial for you as well. So you can take it for a test drive just to see if it's for you. And if you find it isn't, no sweat, you can cancel your account within the click of two buttons. Now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hey guys, how's it going? Scotty from scottsbasslessons.com and I'm here with the amazing Simon Little. He has been kind enough to come and hang out with us today. We're going to be delving into your past, Simon, to find out what what you've got in your, you know, in your closet. But anyway, if you haven't heard of Simon before, he plays with one of my all-time favourite bands I was telling Simon before, The Divine Comedy. I don't know if you guys in the States, are they big in the States or not? No. No. <laughs> Check them out. Really, really cracking band. How would you... How would you describe it to, if, if somebody hasn't heard The Divine Comedy before? It's real uh, classic songwriting, isn't it? It's classic songwriting. It's, um, it's kind of baroque pop. Baroque pop? Baroque and roll. 
Yeah, but rock and roll. So That's go check them out on YouTube. They're all over YouTube, <laughs> so go check them out. And they've been they were they've been going for They've been going since about well, since the early nineties. Yeah, so a long time. Obviously I was not in it in the early nineties because I am not that old. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Okay. You're mid thirties, aren't you? <laughs> apparently Simon was saying that I'm I'm late thirties, apparently. I said mid thirties, <laughs> but he said late thirties. Anyway, so let's talk about how you got into your base because what we want to do with the interview yeah. is basically give people like an overview of you know, mm-hmm. how you got to where you are now, because a lot of the guys that check out the podcast are trying to figure this out for themselves. Sure. You know, they're either sort of like just starting out on bass or they've been playing for a while or they're in college and thinking yeah. about, you know, where the career is going to go mm-hmm. and uh, and all the things that are in, you know, interwoven in that. But you, do you come from a musical background? Were your parents musical or anything like that? I not from a musical background at all. Um, I started playing bass at school. I started on double bass at school. Oh, so it's like, yeah, yeah. double bass. Because you are, I should mention, you do play double as well. I play that, yeah. yeah. About 50% of the time I play double bass. Yeah. But um, I started at school basically because I was tall. <laughs> when I Always was good. <laughs> other, I was taller than other people, and my music teacher needed someone to play double bass in the school orchestra. So she got me to play, um, yeah, I started learning at school, at middle school. And did you ever have aspirations of being a musician? Well, I really enjoyed for, it. Like for a living? I, I did. I, 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 you know, as soon as I started playing, I, I was like, I really like this. This is something I want to be able to do, and so I sort of made a point of trying to get good at it. Yeah. Um, and then I started playing bass guitar when I went to um, upper school. Yeah. So whatever year that was, year nine, I guess. I don't even know the year and system. We were before that, really. weren't we? I don't yeah, understand the year and system. Yeah, now. I don't know. I would have been probably. 14 or yeah. 15. What, I when you started playing, playing the electric? Bass guitar, yeah. yeah. I always, as soon as I started playing double bass, I thought, really? Well, I want to play is bass guitar. Yeah, so yeah. I thought, well, I'll, I'll learn on this and then, you know, when I can, when I can, you know, justify it to my parents to buy me a bass guitar, I'll get them to buy me a bass and were guitar. And like, when, you, when you were playing the upright, was it mostly classical stuff? Yeah, was, all, I was classically trained. All orchestra, yeah. Yeah, well, classically trained, you know, I did all those grades, um, you know, did all my sort of bowing and then when I went to so after I finished school, I went on to music college, and the course I did was half jazz and half classical. Yeah, so and that was at like, the Guildhall, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, which is like famous among the sort of like music schools in the it's UK. Really school, it's sort of yeah. like like Berkeley type of thing yeah. for the guys in the state. Yeah. We've got sort of like over fifty percent of our audiences in the states. So yeah. you know, yeah. So it's kind of like Berkeley. Um, what was the like leading up to when you went to um, the Guildhall? Mm. What, what sort of like, what were your skills like? What had you been working on up until that point to get ready to go to a school like that? Uh, well, like, well, like I say, I was classically trained, so I'd done all my sort of grades on, on the double bass. Really, really, I was a double bass player, yeah. and I played some bass guitar, and that was just what I'd, it was just me transferring my double bass um, playing to my electric bass playing. Yeah. So I still play electric bass, quite strangely, I play it like a, like a double bass. And do you do that now? Pretty much, yeah. I do. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, you know, like really, I only play with three fingers on this hand most of the time, yeah. Unless I'm sort of right up the neck and I don't, you know, there's not room for it. But um, if I'm teaching someone, I'll try to teach them properly with the finger per fret. And what's that know, method called? I don't know if it has a method. It's just double bass fingering. Double bass. You have, you yeah, have yeah. like one, two, and these two are one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The third. The, it's just because the ring of the fingering of your yeah. hand because that is about the same as that. Yeah, but that is. Kind of not really. Yeah. There is there is a method where you use all, all your. That has a special name. I don't know what it's called. Is that the guy Niels also Pedersen uses? Pedersen, yeah. Or did he just have freakishly no, he, huge? No, hands? he uses three fingers on this hand. <laughs> three fingers on the plucking live. hand. I yeah. saw him live once, and it was because I absolutely love him. A lot of people yeah. are very 
they feel very strongly they don't like his playing but I absolutely have always he's been one of my favourite double bass players yeah. forever I saw him live once at a jazz cafe and it was absolutely it was incredible frightening yeah. it, was, it was bizarre because it was a duo gig it was just him and Mulgrew Miller and yeah. he turned up Mulgrew Miller is a very very famous American jazz piano player yeah. and he turned up with a, a, a Trace Elliott 8 by 10 oh really that was bigger than him and I didn't hear a note Mulgrew Miller played for the entire show because his Trace Elliott was just it was like his trousers must have been flapping for the volume of it it was just incredible the, the sort of force of bass coming at you it was yeah, just, yeah 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 he was amazing and were you, were you into the jazz, the jazz guys when you were a kid not when I was a kid at all, no. Not at all. It was no. all classical. Fact, so I yeah. never, no, no, I didn't listen to classical music at all. I don't, I, I never play classical music. It's just how I was taught. Right, okay, you know, yeah. Because there's like a, you know, it's it's just a sort of very sort of tried and tested system of how to teach someone the technique of playing the instrument. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't listen to classical music ever. I don't play it. I don't like playing in orchestras. Um, it's just not something I do. It's just something I can do. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great thing if, if, if you're, especially if you want to learn the double bass is to learn some, some classical um, not, not, not classical theory, but learn the classical technique. Yeah, because it really sets you up really well for when you go and play other things. You know. Yeah, because you, your technique's nailed down. Yeah. Yeah, and even when I went to college, you know, like the first, probably my first whole year at college with my classical, I had two teachers, a classical and a jazz-based teacher. Yeah. And my classical teacher, I mean, the first year was really him just sorting my technique out, and we spent weeks just playing long notes with a bow. Just long notes, set, yeah. long notes, long notes like this, just to get the bow, just to get the bow hand moving in the right direction, to get this working, yeah. you know, as a unit, you know. And like, and, and we were talking about that sort of like when you moved to the to the electric and you mm. used that fingering system. That yeah. is that when you start what started playing the electric when you were a kid, when you were in sort of like your teens. Yeah, because I didn't know you a different way to play. Didn't it. know I've a never, different. I've, yeah. I've, I think I had one bass guitar lesson ever in my life, um, you know, and it was. Very early on, you know, I'd already been having double bass lesson for a long time, and I went to the bass teacher, and he's like, "Well, I can't really. There's not really a lot I can teach you because you're sort of, you're sort of playing it a bit better than me." I'm like, ah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay, we don't need to. Let's not do this. I'll just figure it out for myself." Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you like? Were you transcribing guys? Were you sort of like learning songs? Not, and... not until I went to college. Not really, because um, really, you know, most of the stuff that I did. Before I went to college, it was just me. Either you know, it was like either some sort of school, some sort of school band, band or, something or like that, you know, yeah. like we. I, there was like, I had like an indie band that I, was, that I was in with my friends from school. Yeah, you know, we play like Oasis songs, and but then we'd like play some Ben Folds Five and things. So, we, so I'd be learning things that you know, like off the records. You know, I wasn't like transcribing them properly, but I was yeah. sort of doing it by ear. Are you playing with Ben Folds? Well, we, he, he did. We did a big tour with Ben Folds. It was like one of the first, in fact, I think it was the first. I love that band. It was the first UK tour I did with the Divine Comedy. It was a double bill with Ben Folds. Right, okay. So we played together. Yeah. And it was absolutely, because he was like one of my heroes. Yeah, know, yeah, my I love well, Ben yeah. Folds. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love Ben Folds 5. Yeah, what a that's killer band, right? Well, I saw them when they, because Compositionally they around, as well. Did you see them when they toured around recently? No. It was a couple of years ago. Did you see them? Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was Still amazing, amazing yeah. Yeah, because I'd never seen them live as a band. You know, I'd seen him and obviously we'd worked together, but. It was amazing. Yeah. D-Mac, you seen Ben Falls 5? See, another band. Oh. I, yeah, I'm getting him in. I was like... Ben Falls 5. Which is... Look, I was even playing in Madonna records yesterday. I know word of a lie. I was like, dude, you need to check out this Madonna record. It's killer. It was, it was. <laughs> anyway, you know, nothing but... <laughs> Uh, Back to you, Simon. <laughs> let's leave. Let's leave Madonna out of it. Okay? <laughs> don't want to, you know. Don't want to admit anything on no. camera, obviously. Uh, so when you went to like the Guild Tour, what was yeah. that experience like? And it what was did... amazing. It was really good training. 
you know, they really sorted out my technique. You know, I played with some, like, the standard there is incredible. You know, the musicians that I would, just the people in my year, they're just, yeah. you know, they've gone on, like, you would, uh, like, the drummer that was in my year now is now Robert Plant's drummer. Right, um, okay, yeah. You know, it's crazy. Uh, the, the, the guy that was the trumpet player is now, like, he, he um, runs the Heritage Orchestra and, right, okay, you know, yeah. and the, what's it called? The, he's like the lead conductor of the Metropole Orchestra. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so he's doing, like, the proms with, you know, all these, like, Oh, it's incredible. There were some, you know, great people. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that I got to play with. And what kind of stuff did they have you have you doing? Was it like ensemble stuff? And, yeah. and and what was it like? Because I'm really interested to hear what it was like splitting yourself between the classical and the jazz. Because there was there, mm. you were studying two different it's things. The, well, that's the that's the sort of uh, the thing with the Guildhall. The other colleges don't do that. They have a separate jazz course. Yeah. You know, so the academy has a separate jazz course and, and leads here. Yeah. And um, Trinity, this is a completely separate course. And the Guildhall, for at least the first two years, you have to do the classical course as well. Yeah. So it's not just doing, you know, not just having some classical lessons. You do the classical course. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the third year, because it's a four-year course, by the time you get to the third year, you don't have to do the, the sort of classical-type exams anymore. Yeah. Um, but you can continue to have the lessons if you want. Okay, right. And so what did you do? I did, did. I did for the third year. I did for the fourth year. Because by the fourth year, I was in the Divine Comedy, and I didn't really get it very much. Really? <laughs> were you in it right, when you were in your last year at college? Yeah, I, I went on 21. Yeah. Is, I went on tour. In fact, it was the Ben wow. Folds. When I, did, when I was doing the Ben Folds tour, I was supposed to be at Guildhall doing my sort of teaching skills <laughs> lessons. History? <laughs> yeah. You were like learning, it was like jazz history class. Yeah, I was class. supposed to be like having like placements in like primary schools, teaching people how to Did like you finish the time. degree or not? No, I did. You did? I did. I did talk to them. I was, I was like, do you think, you know, because I've been offered this thing, I really want to do it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. You know, do you think I should take a year out? And they said, if you take a year out, you won't come back. I was like, mm. okay. So I, just, <laughs> I did what I could. I think I went in 10 times in my last year. You just like hacked your way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was all right. We, we didn't go away for any sort of massive periods of time, but there was large chunks of the year where I wasn't there. Yeah. And was it when you were at the Guildhall that you got into jazz? Because obviously, like, you play with, yeah. you know, singers like Claire Teal, we were yeah. talking about earlier, which is a huge British jazz singer. Mm. Is that where it all kind of revealed itself in, in well, school? Before, before I went to college, the, the sort of jazz things that I'd be listening to would be sort of bass-orientated things. So I'd be listening yeah. to Marcus Miller, some Stanley Clark stuff, you know, uh, Weather Report. Yeah, I was going to say. Those were the things report, I was yeah. listening to. So it wasn't, it's not really jazz. It's kind of fusion-y, you know, sort of jazz rock kind of thing. Yeah. That sort of stuff I, I really like. Proper jazz is not really the sort of music I listen to, but it's the sort of music that I, that I, I enjoy playing it, to be honest, more than I enjoy listening to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think as a bass player, it's really great music to be able to play because it means you can do more things than you can do in like pop music. In a regular sort you know of what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, absolutely, there's like yeah. a sort of a plateau, I think, with pop music technique wise, where there's, if you do anything more than that, it's wrong. It's You'd be much. overplaying. It'd it's be too, too much. much. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you need, it's, it's a great kind of music to be able to sort of play slightly more expressively. Um, yeah. To, you can, you can actually use the things that you And what know. kind of plays were you listening to it when you were in school? At college. Yeah. At college. Yeah. Well, that's when I got more into sort of double bass players. Yeah, who were you guys? So my favourite double bass players, well, I discovered when I was there, this isn't proper jazz at all, but my favourite bass player of any kind, actually, is Eberhard Weber. Okay, yeah. Who, you know, is um, is a German bass player, plays an electric upright bass. In fact, I've, I've got a, a, one of my Warwick basses is basically 
is that bass. It's yeah. basically that bass. It's like yeah. a remake of his bass, you know, that he used yeah. in the seventies. It's like a, which was like an old Framus um, Arco um, bass. It's a crazy looking thing, isn't it? It's sort of like yeah, wide it's, bottom it's, on it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. It's like sort of triangular. It looks like a yeah. sort of bizarre sort of pogo stick with a triangle at the bottom. It's lovely. Um, with five strings with a high C string. Yeah. And so, I, the, you know, when I, when I hooked up with Warwick, they made me one of those and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Friends for life. It's always my, it's, it's always going to be my favourite bass. Um, and um, so, yeah, I discovered Abelhard. Um, and he's done, he does all sorts of things, you know, like he's on some Kate Bush records. Yeah, know. he's done it right across the and board. It's like, you know, he's just there. got such an amazing sound. But, you know, I was also listening to people like Scott LaFaro, um, uh, Gary Peacock, Eddie Gomez... Mark Johnson. Basically, my favourite bass players are anyone that's played with Bill Evans, Bill Evans apart from yeah. Chuck Israels. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really get on with him. But, um, yeah, all the others, you know, that kind of, it's like a, it's a, it's a very sort of expressive way of playing, you know, um, and it's how I like to play the bass if I'm given the freedom to do so. Yeah, whatever yeah. Whatever music yeah. I'm doing, you know, it's quite, it's not, it's not particularly chopsy and it's not particularly, um, it's not really sort of like bebop playing. It's kind of a more expressive. It's, it's, it's almost like a semi-classical sort of sound. It's very sort of like a sort of romantic kind of, you know, having the bass speak. Yeah, and it's quite sort of like you're all over the bass as well, aren't you? Obviously, yeah, that's, just think that's, about Eddie Gomez. Like he's, he's yeah, just, exactly. He's just all over, isn't he? You know, yeah. And a lot of those players, well, you know, some of those players, you know, like they're not I'm necessarily going to be the most, you know, if you were to sort of analyse their playing, they're not playing very in tune, really, and they're not, you know, and in fact, a lot of the time they're completely out of tune. Yeah. You know, their technique is is not. If you're a classical player, is is kind of a little bit sloppy, but yeah. what comes out is so much more expressive. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, like Gary Peacock. If you listen to the stuff he's done with um, Keith Jarrett, yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah, of that yeah. playing is like, oh, you know, yeah, it's amazing. If, if yeah. they're playing a badness, yeah, and if you look at his technique, he's all over, yeah. But, but but the well, I mean the technique is visually good, but it's you know this tuning is kind of like. Whoa. But sometimes those out of, it's the it's the kind of the out of tune notes is is as much a part of the the sound of it as you know, as everything else is like, going on. You know they can it actually is is quite you know it's quite moving. And did you, have you ever even heard of them guys before you went to no. college? No, no. And how did you get that stuff that you were listening to and get it into your own playing? Um. Well transcribing some things I, to me, I didn't do a great deal of it I should have done more but I didn't um, but, um, you know just listening to a lot of that sort of music yeah. you know because it goes in you know and if you're playing and then just lot, trying that stuff out live just yeah. trying it out you know and, and you know you, you build it into your sort of practice and you know try, trying to get that sound and trying to get some of the, the sort of harmony in there either from transcribing or you know whatever um, you know look into the sort of harmony of it and try and get some of that stuff into your playing but um, actually just just playing a lot with different people as yeah, well yeah. and people that play in that kind of style in that sort of like Keith know, Jarrett in that Bill Evans kind that, of giving yeah, that, that giving you that space trio, yeah yeah you know and I really like you know I if I'm playing jazz for myself I really like playing with as few people as possible like I love playing yeah. just with piano yeah I love it because it gives you loads of room you can do whatever you want yeah, you know? yeah, I used to have a little regular a little regular um, uh, gig um, with a piano player friend of mine in Covent Garden and, and it was like you know once every two weeks we'd go and play for like three hours in this bar and it was brilliant you know we could just play whatever we want yeah. you know, and, then, and, it, and they didn't sort of say well you know don't you know, that's too much don't do that you know so we just sit there and we play like loads of sort of Bill Evans stuff and it was lovely you yeah, know yeah. you can really go to town and you know especially when there's no drums there's so much more room for you to kind of 
because you're also you're the, you're holding it together underneath you know you're the rhythm you're the harmony you can sort of play sort of counterpoint to the piano it's yeah brilliant. yeah i love yeah, that sort yeah. of playing if anybody's wondering about Bill Evans, by the way, it's Bill Evans, the piano player, not the, not sax, Bill player. Evans, the sax player. There's two Bill Evans. We like him too. Yeah, he's cool he's too. Great. But we're I'll talking. But we're talking about the. Uh, yeah. We're talking about the piano player, <laughs> Bill Evans. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a bit older than the other Bill Evans. Bill yeah, Bill yeah, Evans. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got, did you get approached then by the Divine Comedy when you were in college? Um, How did that hookup come? It when I was at college, I did a lot of. I used to play bass for a lot of Amdram shows. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Sometimes at, at, at college, there'd be like little things on the notice board, you know, we need a bass player to come play for this thing. It's hardly any money whatsoever. Yeah. And it's a bit dingy, but, but it's a good it. experience. And it's really, and I was, I was doing, I was doing loads of them and it was, it's like a whole circuit actually. An Amdram show, on. by the way, is an amateur, amateur dramatic show. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's great because it's, you know, these things, it's not like doing a West End show where you go and you sit and you play the same music for, you know, years and years. And yeah. then it's like literally you go in, you have like, a, I don't know, you might have one band call and then you do like five shows in like, you know, in a week and then you never do it again. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, it's great for sight reading and, and just, and working with a conductor. So it's actually really good. It was really good for me, like to, to develop my playing. I was doing loads of these. And so I was doing one um, underneath Waterloo Station and the guy playing percussion was like best friends with the MD and, and the guy playing percussion was the, the original percussionist with the divine comedy. Right. And the band had just been broken up. Um, the old band that was together for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and the band, that band had been broken up. He was still there and they were looking for basically a double bass player because they wanted to do like a sort of stripped back small group with like, so the guitarist from the previous band was still there and he was still there and me and, um, and it ended up being... Uh, and they were big at this point, right? It was, they were big. It was yeah. just after the, the, after the Regeneration tour. Right, okay. So it was, they, they, were, they were big. Um, they were doing big shows. And, uh, yeah. And so they, they needed a double bass player to come in. And they... In fact, I wasn't even playing double bass on that gig. But he was like, you played double bass. You went to Guildhall. Because also, he went to the Guildhall too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Got he was yeah. like, okay. So we kind of got on, you know. Uh, you know, We were into a lot of the same sort of music. Anyway, we, we really got on. And he was like, okay, but... He recommended me, and they asked me to come along have a play. My first gig was, well, they they asked me to do this gig, and it was like, what's the gig? And I was like, oh, it's at Old Trafford, um, supporting David Bowie. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. So yeah, 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 that was my first gig. That was my audition. Well, that was the audition gig, yeah. Pretty much. We had one day's rehearsal, and then we went and supported David Bowie. Wow, fantastic! And I was like, all right, on the double bass, <laughs> Old Trafford, the cricket ground, right? not the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was, uh, it was big enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the biggest huge. gig I'd ever done. That's amazing. On the double bass. What was it like doing? It. I was going to say, what was it like going from, um, <laughs> like you know, playing small jazz trio, piano yeah. trio, to huge gig with having to deal with an upright and feedback and all it was of good. those. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this is took more it like, like it, a man. It? Yeah. yeah, this is more like it. These are the type of problems oh, I like. I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. sort the feedback out later. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, was there any kind of learning curve with it or was it just like no, nah, no straight no, in no because you know I've, I've gone from playing some really really complicated music to playing some really sort of solid laid out you yeah. know this is how it goes and you play it like that music yeah, yeah. which is great you know it's fine and musically then, it was it was great yeah yeah, yeah. And, and from then like what albums have they done like, like were you recording the bass on the albums when you did that was it that type of affair or did Neil who anybody that doesn't know the Divine Comedy Neil's the guy behind it, Divine Comedy does all the writing was did he record it and then you guys took it out live 
And, and uh, did you guys do any writing with him? No, we didn't do any no. writing. No. So it was all pre-done. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was one, there was one, we had like a week of sort of demoing some stuff and that was really fun. We just went into like a little tiny studio in East London and we just, he had like some sort of sketches or songs and we, you know, and I, I wrote some parts for them, you know, came up with some bits and bobs and it was great actually. Um, but then nothing really happened for ages. Then he recorded Absent Friends and he played the, because he can play the bass perfectly well. Yeah. Um, so, he recorded all the bass himself on that one, apart from one song where I played a bit of upright. And then beyond that, I played the bass on everything. Yeah. Um, but he writes the parts. Like, I really don't have any input. To yeah, I was going to say, really. like, I'm trying to think of sort of like some tune. They're, they're, they're quite specific bass parts. They're very specific. They? They're, you know, a lot it's of not kind of like C, C jam. <laughs> no. Yeah. They're really, like, they're really very specific parts. And a lot of the songs hinge on the bass. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, that it's kind really of motif, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot from sort of learning his bass parts because they're actually really interesting. You know, if you some of the some of the bass parts for his songs sound really, they sound really simple, but they're not actually. Yeah. You know, like you, there's a lot of things in this. A lot of his songs just have crotchets sort of pumping all the way through, like dum 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 yeah. dum dum dum. You know, or or, or just quavers, literally just. Yeah, and it's one of the two, and and and. Just seeing how he sort of develops a line, you know, it's 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 like it, he does it as if you know, like a like a, a bass player would, where you you know, if you've got like a groove, you've got to play over and over again, you know, mm. for however long it's going to be, yeah. and you'll put little variations into it. That's what he does, but it's built into it's built in at such a level that it's part of the songwriting. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, there's a lot of songs of his that sound very simple, and it sounds like a very repetitive line. But actually, if it, if there's like three or four verses, you know. At some point, each of those those lines is completely different. Like the end of each verse will be completely different. Yeah, and it, it, it and it makes the song go somewhere different at the end of each one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're actually quite hard to learn. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> is it quite challenging because it's yeah. yeah. They, it does sound really simple, but it's actually really hard to remember. Yeah, there's <laughs> oh, one of his one of his songs has got a lyric in it that says a big old Beatles bass line. And yeah, I, I can remember listening to that. Oh, which one is that? <laughs> big old Beatles bass line. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what you mean, and like, I can remember like listening to it, and I just thought because obviously I like I don't know him, you know, yeah. but I've always like been listening to his tunes and, and and trying to you know figure out how he's actually written the songs. Mm. And when I heard that, I just thought he's obviously into you know the full. It's not just you know. Yeah. He, I don't think he sits there with an acoustic guitar and they said that's the song, guys. Yeah. I think he's sort of like more involved. Than yeah. That. And is that. Is is he involved in the the production process as well? Absolutely. Does he has an app? Does well, he, he have it? He is the producer. Yeah, yeah. is he? Yeah, very much. He's very. Yeah, he's, and does he, he do, does he, does he have a sort of like a sound that for the bass that you have to recreate? No, that, that well, I give him options and he picks the one he likes right, the best. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what what kind of thing? I mean, really, he what the sound? You know, he likes quite sort of standard bass sounds, old schooly. Old school bass sounds he likes, yeah. you know. So, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's an old school bass that you know that it's being played. Yeah, on. like the not the album that's just come out, but the previous one. Virtually the entire um, album, I think, apart from maybe one song, I recorded on a five string Warwick. 
Right, okay, yeah. Which for him is like, that is like the devil's own bass, you know, <laughs> yeah. because it's got too many strings. It's Why has it got more than four strings? Bass. What is the other string? Yeah. You know, it looks, what is this wood? Why is there no paint on it? It why is, is it shiny. Yeah, 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 why, yeah. What is going on? You know, it's like, that's not a shiny um, single color bass with a scratch plate on it and yeah, yeah. headstock. Yeah. So what is going on there, you know? But it, it, the sound of it, he loves. So the, you know the whole album of Bangos and Nighthood is recorded on on my my uh, Warwick FNA. Yeah. The whole thing is, you know, and because sonically it sounds exactly like he wants it to sound. Yeah, he just doesn't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did he see it before he heard it? He had seen it before he heard it because we were we, we you know the, the studio recorded that was only about the size of this room. The whole thing, including the, the right, okay, the console. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was all. Well, like one of them situations where he heard it was like, I love it. And you were like, ha-ha, well, it was this. Happened. When we recorded the last album. <laughs> I fooled you. Exactly the same. The, 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 he, hadn't, he couldn't see it. You know, he was, we were in a very big, we were at Rack, which is quite big. The room was quite big. And we were doing it. We were trying to record it as lives. Yeah. Um, but it took, we did it over two weeks. And we had to, we'd have like a day where we'd rehearse like three songs. And then the next day, the orchestra would come in. And then we'd record those three songs with the orchestra. We'd like spend the day getting it really nice. And so I had like a little base corner with, with, you know, baffles everywhere and a little yeah, yeah. window. Yeah, little windows. So what yeah. he couldn't see was what I was doing yeah. instrument wise in the booth. <laughs> so, you know, he'd be like, you know, oh yeah, I'll be playing this song. He's like, yeah, it's not really working. Then I'll be secretly getting my sort of nice bass out. I'll be like, okay. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, that bass sounds amazing. I was like, okay, good. Carry on. And you can already see the top of my head like this. I've got my Warwick out again. He's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> This, but uh, this this last album, I took a whole bunch of bases, and basically I'll say, well, look, do you want this one? Do you want this one? Do you want this one? Yeah. You know, I kind of when he sends he sends out demos nowadays, which are basically sound like the finished record. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like his demos, because he, he's learned how to use Logic really well, and it just comes out, and you think, well, okay, well, I mean, you could put that out. Really? Really? It's out. It's, it's out that standard. Yeah. It's great. He so could his really. Demos are incredible. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so I basically just... Does tracked. he play the drums on them as well? Or does he... Um, is it programmed? I think it's programmed. Because like, like pro- must be programmed. Program drums can sound amazing now, can't they? I think they're yeah. programmed. He must, well, he must do, because... I think he can play the drums. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of both, actually. Yeah. Um, I know he has drums at home. Hmm. I should imagine it's a bit of both. Yeah, but, I mean, basically, this, this record... Yeah, I mean, he's basically sent the finished thing. And it was like, okay. So I just transcribed what he'd done. Made a few little make them a little bit more bassy as yeah. opposed to guitar-y sort of yeah. lines and then just I thought okay well this one sounds like from what I can hear from the way the song sounds in its virtually finished demo stage <laughs> probably my Hofner would be quite good on this so let's yeah, probably yeah, go for yeah, that yeah. kind of sound yeah. maybe with a pick I don't know yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah his his songs are actually kind of they're not Beatlesy, but you can hear that influence. They're very old school. Yeah, yeah, you can hear that sort of like I think obviously like Paul McCartney wrote great bass lines, didn't yeah, he? You know, totally. Um, and man, that's fantastic. I've always geeked out about sort of like how, how the songwriting would go. It's amazing to know that he just gives you the finished product. He totally writes the bass lines. Yeah. You know, very rarely do I play. You know, there's some some things where there's not really a proper bass line, and so like like previous albums, there's been maybe. You know, an idea of a bass line. Because the one we recorded at Rack with the orchestra, you know, when we got there, we had scores. So right, there was okay, like printed yeah. music. Yeah. Because, you know, someone had arranged. Someone had, had to arrange it, 19, yeah. Or no, it was massive, actually. It, wasn't more, it was bigger than 19 piece. A, a big old band with strings yeah. and brass and percussion. Yeah. You know, a big band. So someone had had to actually write the bass out. But they might have just written the chords. So at that point, that's when I get to play, you know, what I want. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's got to be within. Is there ever keeping. is there ever points where you think ah, that could actually be better than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can and you I get? Think, up, yeah, you, yeah, you can, can change it. Yeah, I can yeah, totally get away with yeah. stuff to a point. 
Yeah. If it becomes too muso-y, then no. Yeah. No tapping. <laughs> no tapping. No tapping. Don't slap that bass. Yeah. You know, no thumb. Don't you if dare. you get the thumb out, do you get like a lightning strike? It's bad. <laughs> no, no pedal boards, no fifth strings and no slap bass. Which is, <laughs> and you do that as well. You've got like pedal boards and that's like a well, whole... not really. It's a different side yeah. of what you do, it's right? It's a completely different world. It is very much separate. Yeah. And you've got the whole jazz upright thing that you do and, mm. you know, like how much of your time... I know that like he's been on a huge hiatus in terms of like the Divine Comedy. Yeah. And stuff like that, isn't he? Like, like when they're not touring. So over the last few years, are you splitting your time? Is it more upright or is it? I, is I'd it say a split if, between. If, if I'm not touring with someone in particular, playing bass guitar, I probably play double bass two thirds of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. And would you recommend if anybody's listening to this and they're tinkering on both? Yeah. Or, or possibly even just thinking about it, would you recommend that they do that? Absolutely. If you've got the space to put a double bass in a corner of your house somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and the money to. Money to get one because well, they're really expensive, get, aren't they? Decent, yeah. you, know, they, they? you can get a decent base for not very much money nowadays. Can you, yeah. You know, well, yeah. you know, you can get a, a cheapo double base and have it set up properly by someone that knows what they're doing. And, you yeah. know, like... I've is the setup... The is setup it, is the secret. I was going to say, because, like, bass guitars... It's totally the secret. It's kind of, it's like, you can you could sort of, like, gig for the rest of your life on a Squire as long as... Totally. The, as long as the setup's all right, is it yeah. the same with upright? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had students before that I've been teaching that have gone out and bought, like, a £350 double bass from China, and it's come, and, they, and it's not even got the bridge on it. You yeah. Know, it just comes loose, and you think, ugh, because that is... Yeah, you know the bridge is the only thing that's holding this thing. Yeah. You're in trouble if that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bridge comes off, the sound post falls out. You, you're stuffed. Yeah, but you know, and then I've sent I've sent them to like my bass repairer, um, and then they've come back and they've got a decent instrument. You yeah, know, because it's the finish. You know, the the build the building of the point together of the body of it is fairly bog standard. Yeah, but the actual the finish of it is what is what doesn't get done properly. So yeah, if you take yeah. it to a decent luthier and, you know, and they'll, they'll they'll finish the fingerboard. They'll plane it down to make it flat. You know, and they'll get the action just right so that you can play it properly. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it comes out of the box and you can't. It's rubbish. And they've literally bought them for like 350 quid. 350 quid, and you get a hard case with it. I haven't got a hard case <laughs> for my amazing. double bass. I've got a bag that costs... In fact, my, my bass bag was more than that. You know, it's like... That's like $500, guys, if you're like wondering in the States how much money. that is. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy money. $500. And how much would a setup cost like? Because it is more well, expensive, isn't it? It's more hands-on. A box standard setup wouldn't cost that much, but you know, to get a crappy bass made to in, into a good bass, yeah, you might want to spend I don't know 150 quid. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. you'd need a new bridge, you know, things like that. Simple things, you know, you put a nice bridge on it, you put decent strings on it. I mean, a set of strings is going to cost you 180 quid straight away. You are that's how much? Yeah, 180 quid. Yeah, for a decent set of strings, a set wow. of decent strings for that's a double crazy. bass. Yeah, don't change them too often. I was going to say, how, how much do you have to change them? Not like, is it like flat wounds where you change them sort of like once every 50 years? You know, I think actually, I, I would, if I had, if I was wealthier, I would change them more often because I like the sound. You would, strings. yeah. I like that sound because it's kind what, of zingy. What, what do you use on that? I'm not going to do the whole on sort upright. of like, no, I'm not on electric. Do you use flat wounds or is it, uh, no. is it round wounds? Oh, no, I've got, I've got flat wounds on one. I've got, in fact, the, the spare bass that's with us at the moment is, has, has got flat wounds on it and I've, I, I bought one set once. I'm never going to change them. Um, flat wounds, yeah. yeah. Even if, if I break a string on this gig and I end up using the spare bass with the flat wounds on it, I'm still not going to change it to a normal string. I'm just going to play it until someone's changed the string and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to my other one. But no, I just use Elite's um, uh, round wounds. I had, this cracking, great. I had this cracking story about the other day about this old 
Motown guy. And I'm sure some people that are listening to this will know you, who yeah. it is, but my memory is so crap, I can't remember. Anyway, his face was stolen. Mm. And he was absolutely distraught, not because of the bass, <laughs> because of the strings. Yeah. So he took out an ad and put it in a paper and saying, and in the ad it was like, you can keep the, keep the bass. Really? I just want the strings back, yeah. <laughs> he'd had them for years and years and years and years, yeah. Amazing. Another great story about strings is Jameson. James Jameson yeah. broke, his, uh, broke one of his strings and he sent it back to La Bella to see if they could repair it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously they couldn't, but it was worth a go, you know. And, what, and you mentioned the Carla U bass, and I've seen you yeah. using that on TV as well. What, like, how were you in, introduced to that, and and what you're using it on at the minute? Um, I just saw one in the shops. You know, they've always had them in uh, Wunjo in Denmark Street, and I, you know, I, I passed there quite. Often. Had you played somebody? Seen somebody playing one? No, or? no, no. Well, I think I've seen them online. I've probably, you know, maybe something's popped up on Facebook. Yeah. But, you know, people, you see a few people starting using them, you know, and I tried one out in the shop and it was like, this is really nice. Because I've tried in the past acoustic basses for, you know, because it's always a bit of a funny thing. Um, unless you're going to take a double bass, which is usually a problem, so you don't. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if there's like an unplugged thing that you need to do, you know, maybe it's like a radio thing with somebody. Can you come and do this thing? Yeah. It's a radio thing and it's like a small studio. We just want you to come play some bass. It's like, well, I could do that with like a precision bass. It's not really unplugged. It's yeah. kind of is yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know, it's either you know, I'm either playing it or I'm not. You know, yeah. you can't not plug it in, you know. And so, and there's not room for a double bass and, you, and it's not portable. Yeah. So I tried for a long time with to, to find a... a um, like an acoustic electric, you know, like a, a, a hollow body bass. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I had a breed love for a little while. In fact, I recorded one of my solo things on it. Yeah. That's pretty much all I did with it because it didn't sit in any band. You couldn't play it in a band. It just, it just had its own thing. No, it, it sounds beautiful on its own. It sounds like a piano almost, you know, with the sort of brassy strings. Yeah. And it had a real sort of lovely sort of piano tone to it. And it was lovely. It sounds beautiful on its own. In a band, you can't hear it. Right. Okay. And also yeah. the thing I found, you know, I tried every kind of acoustic bass guitar. Every brand, every you know, every size, every shape and thing, of, uh, and and acoustically, none of them, because of the physics of it, they can't physically make that sound. Can't produce a double it. bass is as big as yourself. You know, it's huge, and it may, you know it shifts all this air. Yeah, yeah. You can hear Projects it, it correctly. Acoustically, right? you can hear a double bass from the back of a hall. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you know, it might not be that loud, but you can hear it. Uh, acoustic bass guitars, physically, it doesn't have that sound. You know, so yeah. it entirely relies on the pickup. By which point, it might as well be a real bass guitar. Yeah, because it's piezo, isn't it? It's not. Exactly. Yeah, it, might, yeah, it would sound yeah. exactly the same as any bass guitar. It's just a look thing, you know. But what I wanted was something that I could use in, you know, when everyone is sitting around playing acoustic guitars and banjos and mandolins and little acoustic lovely things, something that I can play that <laughs> yeah. looks the same and has a sound of its own that isn't basically the same as a bass guitar. It's not just, you know, it has a sound of its own. Yeah, yeah. And so I picked up this Carla bass because I could, I, you know, I saw, I could, saw some people playing them in different things. And um, I picked it up and I thought, this is great because... I mean, again, acoustically, it doesn't sound like anything, but plugged in, it sounds fantastic. And it doesn't sound like it's supposed to be this or that. It sounds like what it, it is. It sounds like its own You know, thing, it has yeah. these sort of rubbery strings and, the, and they have a sort of lovely bounce to them. It doesn't, it, it, if it sounds like anything, it sounds a bit like a double bass with like old strings on it. It's right, what it okay, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. Jameson might have played. Yeah, yeah, played yeah. Double bass. You know, it's like, it's quite a sort of thuddy sound, but it doesn't, you know, it, and it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound that much like a bass guitar until you put it through a big bass guitar amp. But at the moment, I'm running my Carla bass and my Precision bass through the same amp um, with like a little um, AB box, like a line. Selection. I was going to say, do you sort of like run into yeah, an just, AB just box? Yeah, just to match yeah. the volume. 
um, because obviously they sound completely different. But, one, but the sound that comes at me on stage sounds they sound pretty much the same, to be yeah, honest, because yeah. it sounds like the amp sounds. But um, out front, they sound completely different, which is yeah. great because it's DI'd. You know, so they still get that sound because you can you can stick that straight into a desk, the collar, and it sounds brilliant. Straight in, direct, yeah. straight in. It sounds great. It sounds great. <laughs> it really does. And it's, it's got a little tone knob on it, so you can take the edge off it. You know, if you want. I have it set about three quarters of the way. By the Do you two, dial two it back thirds. a bit? Yeah. Yeah, so just because it, it gets a little bit clanky if you put it up too high. So yeah. I have it on about two thirds, and it just sounds. It's got the sort of woody sound of the double bass. You know, you. It, it's definitely you can hear it that it's an acoustic instrument. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it and it and it also it cuts through as well, which is great if you're doing a lot of sort of radio things with it, which is what we're using it for. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking for a couple of years I need an excuse to buy this bass. <laughs> well, you know, because when I bought the acoustic bass guitar, I didn't have an excuse for it. I yeah. used it to do a solo thing, a project, and then. I had no use for it after that, so I sold it. So I thought, no, I'm not, I don't need this. It's big. I get rid of it. Yeah. But I needed an excuse to use this thing. And I thought, when we go out and do all the sort of promo for this record, it's going to be really useful because, you know, we can go and do a little radio show. I can take it on the tube. I, I can put it in the hold of a plane. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And so yeah. I didn't play any other bass for about six weeks, apart from my Color U bass. When you were, when when you we were, were doing, doing the tour. Yeah, when you were doing the you tour. Know, we, the had promo, few, yeah. we had like four days in Paris. We did, I did an entire show on it. Which was like stream live um, um, in Paris, and I played the whole show on it. You know, oh, yeah. not just the ones we were doing unplugged. I played the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. you can because it is a bass guitar. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know, yeah, it's tuned the same. It's, it's as you play it the same way. You know, you, you it, said earlier you have to concentrate a bit more, don't you? You, you absolutely yeah. have to concentrate much harder when you're playing it. You know, because it's fiddly and it's small, so you have to be careful of your your left hand sort of not playing all the frets at once. And then you know you have to you can't sort of relax into it. Well, like, not not me yet. You know, so I've only had it for, I've had it a year nearly, you know, just to, like you would sort of play an autopilot with a bass guitar or a double bass. It's, there is a funny technique to playing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it requires a bit of extra concentration. Because well, on, the, on the plucking hand. Yeah. For the plucking hand, just because, and it's not even an action thing. It's a, it's a, it's the give that's in the string. They yeah. give so much more than normal strings. They, they almost feel like a double bass because they, they, they move much further than a, a bass yeah, guitar yeah, string. Yeah. You know, they're very slack. Yeah. So you have to really, you have to really go at it, you know, you can't sort of just, it doesn't play itself. You have yeah, to put yeah. effort into it, which is yeah. hilarious because it's tiny. It, it <laughs> yeah, requires tiny, a lot more yeah. effort and a bit more concentration, so, yeah. I'm going to have to get one. I'm oh, have to get everyone one. should have one. You've heard it here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> go get yourself one. Get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, even yeah. think about it, just go and get one. You'll find a reason. Yeah, <laughs> if, you par- if your partner wonders why, you know. Uh, Great f- to play on the sofa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, and not that loud either when it's not plugged not in. Not loud right? at all. Yeah, yeah. Won't, won't, won't upset the neighbours. Yeah. Simon, if people want to find out where you are, what's your website? I'll hook it up all on the, the website, obviously, underneath the it's video. SimonLittleBass.com is my website. Yeah, that's at Simon original. Almost as good as Scott's Bass Essence. That's quite original, I thought, as well. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so SimonLittleBass.com. I'll link that up. Have you got Facebook or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, everywhere. I'll, he's everywhere. What I'll do is, <laughs> he's everywhere. I'll hook it up on the uh, on the podcast page on the website. So if you're listening to this, go over to the website and check it out. And obviously, if you're watching this video, then it'll be right down below. Simon, 
you're awesome lovely to talk to great you. to meet you man okay guys hopefully you enjoyed that interview with simon again you can find it all over at scottsbaitlessons.com just go over to the website navigate to the podcast and you can find that podcast there with all the show notes we've got videos of simon in there for you um, playing with the divine comedy and also some of his own projects as well um, and again remember if you're an academy member you can watch the entire video version of that interview as well simon came and hung out at sbl towers while he was on tour with the divine comedy so we grabbed him and took him took him back to the towers so you can check out the video if you are an academy member if you're not an academy member just go over and check it out at scottsbasslessons.com in a nutshell it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world the step-by-step courses live seminars every week with some of the best bass educators on the planet, the largest online bass educational community in the world, and absolutely tons more. The whole nine yards. And we have a completely free 14-day free trial as well, so you can take it for a test drive and just to see if it's for you. Now, thanks again, guys, for listening. And next week, well, it's a bit of a bit of a surprise for you next week. So I'm gonna keep you, I'm gonna keep you hanging. As always, take it easy and I'll see you in the shed. <laughs>